0: This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. We are on a series called The Power of Thankfulness. And I'm telling you, if you get a hold of this truth of, um, of cultivating a lifestyle of thankfulness, I really believe it's going to change your life. I really believe it will radically change your faith walk, and uh, I don't know about you, but I, I want to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, amen. And so I really believe that 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 the power of thankfulness, thanking God, and I'm telling you, smart people thank God. I'm gonna say it again, smart people thank God. They they acknowledge that God is amazing and He's glorious. And there's nothing we can do without God in our life. I'm going to say that again. I'm telling you, we're bankrupt without God. We're bankrupt. We, we don't we can't, we can't, Jesus said, I can't do nothing without the Father. Jesus understood that he needed God Almighty in his life. Amen? And so we're looking at some scriptures in, in, in this series in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I see I love about Christianity because Christianity really if you if you think about it really it's all about victory. We have the victory in Jesus. Jesus won the victory for us on the cross and being raised on the third day. So Jesus is our victorious savior. Amen. And guess that what? That victorious Savior abides in each one of us. So what does that mean? That means that we can be victorious in every realm, in every area of our lives. Amen? Confess it out loud with me. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, 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 so Jesus gives us the victory. Amen? And, and it's a great revelation of of, of how it can expand our faith walk. So we need to always walk in, in faithfulness, amen, and understand that God is doing amazing things in our life. So in the first installment on thankfulness, we know this, that, that it's good and right to give God thanks after we've seen the blessing. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. But it's good and right to give God thanks after we see the blessing as well, right? Okay, but it's better. It's, it's better. In other words, it is better to give God thanks before we see it. But it's good and well to give God thanks after we after we see the blessing. We should always give God good thanks after we see the blessing, right? Amen. You guys know where I'm going at. I'm in third week on this. But um, praise God. But, but, but it's more powerful to, to preempt our faith is to give God faith before we see it. I like in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of what we expect to come to pass even before we see it. So we know that, so, so when we are thanking God before we see it, what that's doing is that's pumping up our expectation to receive the promise of what God has already given us. Are oh, you hearing what I'm saying today? In Mark eleven twenty four, it says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So we see here that Jesus was talking about the mountain. And we know that before he said that you speak to the mountain, he spoke to the fig tree. And we know that he cursed the fig tree, but, but it took a process of time for that tree to wither. He spoke it and then it happened. When we start thanking God and praising God for his promises, we'll eventually see that promise Activate in our life. In other words, thankfulness activates the promises of God in our lives. Amen. Don't be the person from Missouri says, you know, Missouri. They say says that that's a show me state, and they say, well, when when I see it, then I believe it. But really, you have to believe it before you see it. Can I say that again? You got to believe it before you see it, and that's faith. It's believing that God's working, even though it may not look like he's working. So we need to thank God for the promises. And I, and I say this, I, I call this, when we are thanking God for the promise, I call this the faith connection. It, it, it connects us. What do I mean by faith connection? I mean that it connects us to the grace of God in our lives. And, and I know, if I know you, I, 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 I know, I normally say if I don't know about you, but I, I think I know you. A little bit, but uh, that we all need to understand that grace is a key that's going to keep us moving forward in God. We need God's grace. So we need to keep thanking God for every area in our lives. Amen. What happens when we encounter a bad report? Do we do we thank God for the bad report? I would say no. What we do is we thank God for giving us wisdom when we encounter a bad report. We don't thank God for the bad report, per se. Oh, thank you, God, I'm going through this problem. But we thank God that God can give us wisdom in that problem that we're going through. Amen. Amen. So so James actually says it this way in the book of James. He says, if you lack wisdom, because sometimes when we encounter a problem, we don't know, you know, it just hits us, uh, like I call it, suddenly." You know, some of God's promises and his blessings hits us suddenly, but sometimes the enemy hits us suddenly too. Suddenly he gives us a bad report. Suddenly he puts a uh, affliction on our body. Suddenly he does stuff, right? So what we do is we don't thank God for the bad report, but we thank God that God can give us wisdom in that bad report. So in James, it says, in, in James 1, 5 and 6, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith. Amen. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Amen. So how do we overcome Doubt in our prayer life. We overcome doubt by thanking God for the answer for the problem that enters our life. We understand this, that that if you read in James 1, it, it, it actually says, My brethren, count it all grief when you... That's right, that's a reverse translation I'm reading. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials... So, so, so he's actually saying, thank God, not for the trial, but thank God for the wisdom that God can give us in the trial. Yeah, amen. amen. A lot of people say, I, I, what I need is, I need that breakthrough. No, you need wisdom. Because you can go from miracle to miracle, amen. But God doesn't want us just going from miracle to miracle to miracle. He wants us walking in the blessing. And when you walk in the blessing, instead of you needing a miracle, you become a miracle. In other words, you become a miracle to others. But a lot of people just live, you know, some people that say this way, some Christians live miracle by miracle that they have to have that miracle. No, God wants to make us a miracle. So when when we are praying and believing God... And thanking God for the answer then he then we get that answer and we and we get that miracle, but eventually we should become that miracle amen We need to start thanking God in every circumstances we deal with and, and thank God for the wisdom that God's giving us in that in that situation. amen there's always a key to every situation that we go through there's always a key. God always has an answer for everything that we go through. So, so we, what we need to do is we need to pray. Uh, we, we don't want to get uh, uh, discouraged. We don't want to get depressed when we encounter that bad circumstance or that bad report. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. Notice that. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't get, don't get so uptight. But in everything, by prayer, And supplication. And what is supplication? What does that mean? That means that you're asking God. You're petitioning God. Through prayer and petitioning God. You're supplicating. With what? Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving is always added to our prayer life. It says, let your requests be made known to God. And then the rest of it, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. What we really need in the storms of life is peace. And so what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to get us out of peace. He's trying to get us distraught. He's trying to get us depressed. He's trying to oppress us. Amen. So so I'm going to say this, that if we start adding thankfulness into our prayer life, we're going to see God's blessings in our prayer life. We know that Jesus... Uh, he, he actually used the power of thankfulness to perform some of his greatest miracles. Do you believe that today? We know that, that uh, you know the story of, 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 of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And we know that, uh, that Jesus was in a certain place with his disciples. And uh, he got word that, uh, that, that Lazarus was sick. And, and he, he ended up staying in that place uh, until Lazarus died. And then he eventually came to, to Lazarus. And let, let's just open up here to the story of uh, John eleven seventeen 17 through 27. So when Jesus came and he found that he had already been in the tomb four days, notice that, that Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. This is an this is amazing miracle that Jesus is going to perform. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews have joined the women and Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting at the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And And so she knew that Jesus had the power to heal the sick. But notice what she says now. Even now I know... That whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. That's interesting that she said that. I think she was speaking prophetically. I think she was saying, you know what? You really could do the impossible. I don't think she realized what she was saying. But I believe it was, it was actually, she was actually saying, you still can do anything. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. I love that. that that's, that's faith talk. In other words, whenever we're dealing with a problem, we need to start speaking the, the, the answer or start speaking the end result that we want to happen. In other words, you might be sick and, and you can say, well, praise God, I'm going to be healed very soon. So he said, your brother will rise again. He, he spoke an affirmative. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, faith never puts things in the future. It always puts things in the present. Now, here, Martha was saying, Yeah, I know in the last day that you will raise up. And, and I love what Jesus said to her. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That, that's very powerful. So so believing in Jesus, he was was revealing to Martha that he is the resurrection and he is the life. Amen. Amen. And we got to get a revelation of that. And and so he was revealing to her and and he says to her, do you believe this? And in other words, he was trying to stoke up her faith that, that that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. Who is to come into the world? And then now we, we drop down to, to John eleven thirty two and 44. Now Mary finally comes out. And, and when Mary came, when Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. What does all that mean? That means that that that, he, that that groaning was what was was uh, him really uh, about ready to, to work a miracle, in other words, in other words, he, he was he was digging deep within himself, and he said, "Where have you laid him?" And they said to him, "Lord, come and see." And Jesus wept, Amen. And this is interesting. Jesus wept, and I really believe that he wept not because of Lazarus being dead but he wept because of their unbelief. He was dealing with, you know, you know, she said if you could have been here, you know, Mary didn't realize that Jesus is the resurrection. she didn't hear what what he she he said to Martha, "I am the resurrected life. Your brother will rise again." She didn't hear that, and she said it's too late. I'm going to say this, it's never too late in the realm of God. You know the devil will try to tell you it's too late. It's over. Uh, it's no going back. Uh, you can't unscramble scrambled eggs. I understand that, but, but, but you still can eat the scrambled eggs. Amen. In other words, uh, no matter what we're dealing with in our life, it's, it's never over until God says it's over. And the devil will try to tell you it's over now. This situation's dead. It can't be resurrected. It, it, it's, it's way too long. It's never too late for God to work a miracle in our lives. So you hear what I'm saying today? Then Jesus, uh, then he says, he he says here, then Jesus again groaned in himself, came to the tomb. It was at the cave and the stone was laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha and the sister of him who, who was dead said to him, Lord, at this time there's a stench and he's been dead for four days. So what was going on in Martha's mind? Martha was dealing with unbelief. Martha was, her, 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 she, wasn't, she wasn't really connecting to the fact that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And she wasn't connecting to the fact that Jesus was about to do a miracle. And she said, Lord, at this time there's a stench for he has been dead for four days. In other words, what, what really stinketh wasn't really her brother, but it was her faith. She didn't believe that God could do a miracle, that Jesus could do a miracle there. So Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So I'm going to say this to you. To you, when you start thanking God and praising God, what you're doing is you're stoking up your believer. What you're saying is, I'm, I'm going to stoke up my believer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire up my, my believer. And I'm going to start believing regardless of what it looks like. Thankfulness will produce belief in your life. Unthankfulness will, be, will produce doubt in your life. Are you hear what I'm saying today? So when we start thanking God, no matter how bad it looked, and it looked bad in this situation... It looked like it couldn't happen. Four days in the tomb. It looked like an impossible circumstance. An impossible situation. But I'm going to say this. My God deals with impossibilities. And he makes them possible. Then they, then they took away the stone to the place where the man was lying. Now this is where we want to focus on in verse 41. It says, And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you, you have heard me. I love that. That's faith. I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me because of the people who are standing by. I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. So we see here, you know, it, it had to take more than just a miracle of, of healing Lazarus. It, 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 it was a miracle, a resurrection miracle. It was healing Lazarus. And, you know, you know he couldn't even have got up on his own. They had to have, I really believe angels had to set him up. Because he was laying flat, wrapped up. There was no way he could move on his own. I'm telling you, when, when Jesus spoke, and when you start speaking thankfulness, in a dark place, angels go on the move. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Angels will start moving out on your circumstance and your situation to cause blessings to come your way. Do you believe that today? Now, Jesus, uh, we know this, that Jesus was dealing in Matthew 14, 14, 14, 14, and 21, uh, Jesus was dealing with a large crowd. and Let's look at this. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. An evening approached and the disciples came to him and said, notice that he healed the sick. That's what Jesus, he came to undo what the enemy is trying to do in our lives. So he came to heal the sick, then at a remote place and already it was getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy them some food, said one of the disciples. And Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So that that was pretty powerful. And and, uh, Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And he said, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And they answered, bring them here to me. And he said, as he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Now, I'm going to say this. Sometimes it looks like what we have is not enough. Sometimes you know, the enemy will tell us you don't have enough to make it. No, no, no. If you can take the little that God gives you and give it into the kingdom of God, God can multiply it back and give it back to you in in greater amounts. Do you believe that today? So, so don't don't get deceived and thinking what I have is too little. For the kingdom of God. No, God can multiply the little and take care not only uh, of the people around you, but he can take care of you. Notice it says here, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Notice he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Amen. And and taking uh, the fish, loaves, two fish. And uh, and then he gave them to the disciples and disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Now, you know, that's amazing. In other words, they had 12 basketfuls left over. God is not a God of just enough. He's not a God of barely enough. He's a God of more than enough. That's where he gets his name. He is El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. See, God doesn't just want to meet your needs. Yes, it's nice to have your needs met and just to have just enough. But God wants us. Listen, he says, may your cup in Psalms 23 overflow. So he wants us to have an overflowing cup every day. We don't listen. We don't live by tapping the reserves. No, we have to live in the overflow. And when you start worshiping and thanking God every day, I'm telling you that you will be filled with the spirit so much. You'll live in the overflow. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You will. In other words, people will start uh, receiving the fruit that you're walking in. Amen. So let me give you a, a, an example of how thankfulness, how it actually, how it, you know, coupled with, with, with God's word, how, how, it can, how it can change your life. Amen. Uh, you know, I, I, um, uh, many, uh, I was believing God for a wife many years ago. I went through a divorce early in my life and uh, in, in my early 20s. And then I started, you know, looking for a wife and believing God for a wife and, And uh, then I got real serious, you know, I'm going to say this, you're not going to see the blessing in your life until you start getting serious, until you start finding scriptures, until you start standing on scriptures. And, and so I I said, I got one year, I got, I said, this is a year that, that God's going to bless me with a wife. This was in 2007, and I, and I found some scriptures. I found a scripture in Genesis 2.8. Now, you, if you're believing for a spouse, take notes, amen? And uh, I, I, in Genesis 2.18, it says, And the Lord God said, It's not good for man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. So, so this revelation to me was, God was saying to me, It's not good, David, for you to be a single pastor. That's right. and, so, and so I said, Okay, so I'm taking that scripture, and I'm going to pray it. And then I found another scripture in Proverbs 18.22 that says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So I see here, I said, okay, I see here that favor comes by having a spouse. So I included that in my prayer. And then I like this, Psalms 84.11, For the Lord God is sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And so, so, so here it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And it says, he will not withhold no good thing. <laughs> so I said, I thank you, Lord, that you're not withholding no good thing. So I was convinced it was God's will for me to be married. I'm telling you, if you have a desire to be married, uh, then it's God's will for you to be married. God would not put a desire in you to taunt you for the rest of your life. And so what I did was I, at that time... My mom and dad was working for the ministry. My mom was the secretary. My dad was the treasurer, and uh, and I, I I went to Matthew eighteen nineteen, and in Matthew eighteen nineteen, a lot of people uh, they they skip a part. They just say, "Hey, just agree with me in prayer," and agreeing is powerful. But you know the Bible says you have to ask, and then stand in agreement. You ask and then stand in agreement. Just don't stand in agreement. Just agree with me for this. No, you ask God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And sometimes we practice this scripture here. I'm about to read part of it. And you don't want to do part of it. You want to do the entire scripture. And it says in Matthew 18, 19, it says, again, I say to you, if two or you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them. Notice it says anything they ask. So it's more than just agreeing. It's asking and agreeing. And it will be done by them and Father. So I stood in agreement. And I said, Father God, in agreement with my mom and dad. And I said, I'm asking for a, for a wife. And I'm standing in agreement that you're going to bring my wife to me. Amen. And we prayed that prayer of agreement. I also wrote a, a list because the Bible says you've got to be specific. And so I wrote a list of what I wanted in a wife. And, and, and Yin hit about everything on that list. And I think sometimes the reason why some of us aren't, aren't married yet that's believing, because we're, we're not specific in what we want in a spouse or what we want in our life. And so I wrote that list. And then I, then I started thanking God that I was already married before I was married. And that was powerful. And I started thanking God. I put my faith in God. now. Now, I've never done that before, but my roommate that went out to Ramah, kept telling me that he was married before he was even dating anybody. And then he ended up getting married before me. And I said, man, it must work. I said, my God, he got married before I did. So I said, I, I'm going to try this too. And so I started thanking God every, every night, every time I thought about it. I started thanking God that for my wife and that, that I was already married by faith. And within, within 90 days, Yin showed up at the church. And within, you know, uh, seven months, I was married. And that year, I met Yin. that year. And it wasn't no long courtship, you know, that lasted for years. Amen. I when God's in something, you don't need to wait a, a, a months and years and years and years. If God is in something, he's going to make it work. That's right. And I'm telling you, Yin is one of the greatest blessings in my life. Glory to God. I want, I want to give a shout out to Lynn. Yeah. Amen. And so I'm going to say this, too, that, that if you get a hold of the word of God and thanksgiving, you will see the grace of God in your life. Uh, you know, thanksgiving will also help you break bad addictions off your life. I heard a story about a person that was addicted to cigarettes and, uh, and, and they were trying to do everything they could to get You know, to break that habit of cigarettes, they prayed, they fasted, uh, they did everything they could think of. And they all and that urge of smoking cigarettes always stayed with them. So they went to the preacher and they and they asked the preacher, uh, you know, I I need some help. I can't seem to break this habit of smoking cigarettes. And the preacher said, well, will you do what I what I tell you to do? And and if you do it, I believe that 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 God will set you free. He said, well, if it's easy, everybody wants something easy. And uh, and he said, uh, what, he said, I want you to start thanking God that you're free of, of smoking cigarettes every time. And he said, well, you know, uh, you're going to tell me to stop smoking? He said, no, you, you keep smoking, but thank God every time you light up, thank God that you're free of cigarettes. Every time you're smoking, say it, thank God when you're halfway through that cigarette. Every time you put that cigarette out, thank God that you're free from cigarettes, and he said, "I'm going He said, "What will that do?" I'm still smoking. He said, "Just keep doing it." So, so, so that man kept. Uh, he kept every time he thought about smoking. He'd say, "Thank God, I'm free of of cigarettes." And he got he got to a point where it became a habit. Every time he would light up, "Thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking cigarettes." And every time he put out, "Thank you, Lord." And he would say it. He said it hundreds of times, perhaps thousands of times over. A week, over three weeks, he would say it over. And over again, and he said one day uh, that he was about ready to light up. All of a sudden, something hit him. It was the anointing of God, and he said that that desire for smoking totally left him. And he said that he knew within himself that he was totally free. That 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 he would never smoke another cigarette the longest day of his life. Amen. So, so but, he, but the key is he had a desire to quit. He, you got to have a desire to quit. You've you got to have a desire to come out of it. And then you have to start thanking God. And I'm going to say this. See, he, he couldn't do it through his flesh. He couldn't break the cigarette habit through, through forcing himself to do it. But what he did was he allowed the grace of God. Somebody say the grace of God. He allowed the grace of God to work in his life. And it broke the power of nicotine in his life. Is that powerful? So what I'm saying is, I'm saying that when you start confessing uh, and thanking God that God is bringing you out of some things, then God's grace can work. Because I believe that thankfulness opens the door to God's grace in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now let's look at 2 Corinthians 2.14. This is our second part. It says here, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. Notice it says that that He always causes us to triumph. That, that that that's present tense and that's future tense. You know you need to start thanking God ahead of time that you have healthy bodies. You need to start thanking God ahead of time that you have great marriages. You need to start thanking God every time that you have plenty of finances. You need to start thanking God what every weak area that you, you have uh, that, 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 that you're dealing with. Start thanking God in those areas and watch God move. Take some scriptures. Apply those. Thank God that God supplies all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Thank God by Jesus stripes you're healed, delivered, and set free. Start adding thankfulness with the scriptures. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And and why? Because it stokes up your believer. It it starts saying, Lord, I'm believing that you're doing something in our life. You cannot keep focusing on the negative things uh, day to day and get the grace of God in our life. We can't afford to, to focus on the negative. We can't afford to focus on what's not happening. Remember, I told you last, I mentioned last week how Jesus was dealing with issues. Uh, he knew that he was going to the cross. He knew that he was going to be separated from the Father, which I think was the biggest thing that he didn't want to, want to go through. You know, going through the crucifixion was, was hard enough, but he knew that he was going to be separated from the Father. He knew that the Father would look away. He knew that he would be on the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that Peter, uh, when he was talking, about, when Jesus was talking about going to the cross and, and suffering crucifixion, Peter took him aside in in, in Matthew sixteen twenty two, and he said to him, and he began to rebuke him, saying, "Master, pity thyself." In other words, he said, "Master, this is not going to happen to you." And, and we know that 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 Jesus knew that the that the devil was working through Peter. When, when Jesus wheeled around to Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan. He said, you are a offense and a hindrance and a snare to me for you are mining uh, what partakes not of the nature or quality of God, but a man. So what was Peter doing? Peter was unknowingly uh, operating uh, in a wrong spirit, really trying to work on Jesus not to go on the cross. He was trying to be a good friend. You know, this is not going to happen to you. But, but Jesus had a mission. And that mission was eventually the cross. And it was redemption of all mankind. That was his mission in life was to go to the cross. Amen. And so he couldn't let anything deter him from going to the cross. And we can't allow these thoughts of self-pity to control us. And I'm going to say this. Your thoughts are powerful. And you can't allow the wrong thinking to come into your life. And you can control what you're thinking, thinking on. You know, you know one, one preacher said this way. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head. But you can keep the birds from making a nest in your hair. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't keep bad thoughts from coming. Bad thoughts will come. But you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to dwell on the bad thoughts. I like, I like what it says in Joshua 1.8. This is what it says. "Is The book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. So, so, so here, uh, the Lord is saying that there's something that we need to meditate on. You don't meditate on the problems of life. You meditate on the promises of God. I'm going to say it again. You don't meditate on the problems of life. You meditate on the promises of God. And, and, and this is saying here that you can choose what to think on. And I'm going to think on what's right. I'm, going to, I'm not going to allow wrong thinking to come into my life. In Romans 8, 5, and 6, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So I'm going to say this to you is is that your attitude is, is an indicator of what you've been thinking on. Oh, I'm talking today. Whatever your attitude is, if your attitude is full of joy, it's full of peace, it's full of love, You've been thinking on the right things. If your attitude is depressed, if, you ha- if, you're-, if you're downtrodden, if you're angry, amen, if you've got an angry attitude, uh, you've been thinking on the wrong things. See, 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 it's your attitude that is the, the temperature or the, or, the, or the gauge of what you've been thinking on. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And, and if you're thinking on the promises of God, you can't be down. You can't be depressed thinking on the promises of God. No, no, when you're thinking on the promises of God, uh, then, then it, it should evoke uh, the peace of God. It should evoke the joy of God in your life when your focus is on the promise. But when you're focusing on the problems, then, then it will always cause us to go down in life. We know Elijah was one of the... Elijah was one of the greatest prophets raised up in the Old Testament. And we know that he, that he did some mir- many miracles for God, and, and that, he, that he actually uh, uh, did some awesome things, killed 400 uh, prophets of Baal, did some amazing things. And then Jezebel, that was married to Ahab, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. You remember that story? And then all of a sudden, uh, Elijah... Got, you know took in that report that Jezebel was going to kill him and he ran from his post. And he started running and he got in fear. He forgot about the anointing that he had on his life. He forgot about the grace of God that always protected him. And then he ran and he ended up in a cave. And I'm going to say this, that whenever we allow fear to come into our life, it will always put us in a cave. And so in that cave... About Sinai, in that cave, he sought the Lord, and, and, he, and, he, and the Lord said, why are you in this cave? And he said, because, because, you know, all the prophets are being killed, and they're standing with you but me. That's what he said to the Lord. And the Lord corrected him. The, the Lord said, you know, I have 7,000 people that did not bow their knee to Baal. 7,000. And so, what, what what the enemy will try to make you think is what you're going through is you're the only one going through it. But I'm going to say this: the Bible says everybody's going through something. Everybody's dealing with something in their life. Some, and I'm going to say this: some people are dealing with things a lot worse than what you're dealing with. Are you hearing what I say? And we think that we, we got a hard road to hoe, that we got a hard cross to bear. But not compared to some people. Glory to God. We We don't realize how good we have it. You don't realize how good you have it that we have running water. That we live in this great country. That we don't have to go miles just to get water. That's why we do water wells and all that. We don't realize how good that we have it. And so what do we do when the enemy starts putting those wrong thoughts in our minds? Well, we go to 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, at one time, there used to be spiritual warfare. And people would stop here and they would go on a high building and start yelling at the devil. So they would, they would say, the, you know, it's, it's mighty to God. And they would try to pull down strongholds in the spiritual realm. But this is not what this is saying. And it it really, it connects to strongholds, it's patterns of thinking that we deal with that keeps us in bondage. And so if we can change these patterns of thinking, amen, that keeps us in bondage, we'll be set free. So so what we have to do is, that's the reason why I preach to you every week. I'm trying to change the way you think. And if you change the way you think, you'll change the way you speak and you'll change the way you live. Because your thinking has everything to do with your life. If we're thinking right, then we're speaking right, and we'll be acting right. And so he says here that, that our weapons, of warfare are not carnal, but mighty. What kind of weapons is he talking about? He's talking about the helmet of our salvation. He's talking about the breastplate of righteousness. He's talking about the belt of truth that we can put on, the shoes of peace the shield of faith and the sword of the word of God. He's talking about these powerful weapons that talks about in Ephesians 6 that we can put on every day to know who we are in Christ, what we can do in Christ, and what we have in Christ. And then he says here, casting down arguments or imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what we do is we don't allow those wrong thoughts, we don't allow them to reside in us. we got to be like Jesus when he encountered Peter. And he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And whenever the wrong thoughts come against us, we need, a, we need listen, how do you overcome a wrong thought? By speaking a right word. You don't overcome wrong thoughts by, by trying to think right thoughts. You overcome wrong thoughts by speaking right words. Because the words you speak can overcome the wrong thoughts that come against our minds. So your words, coupled with right thinking, will cause dutomous power in the spirit realm. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? In other words, the enemy trying to make you think that, that you can't do something. And then you need to say, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. The enemy will try to tell you that the Lord is not with you. But, God, but, but the Bible says, I am with you, I will never leave you, or I will never forsake you. you know, the, the enemy will try to make you think that you're going to always be broke. But you need to start saying, by, by, uh, God supplies every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, the enemy will try to make you think a lot of different things. Overcoming these wrong thoughts by speaking words of faith, as you speak these words of faith, it will change your attitude. It will change your expectation. Instead of expecting bad to happen, you will start expecting good to happen. And when you start expecting good to happen, you will see the good that will happen in your life. Did you receive it today? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just thank you for your mercies and your goodness and your love. I thank you, Father God, for these wonderful people this morning. I thank you for those watching online. And Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that we can change our destiny by the words that we speak, by the thoughts that we think. And Father, I thank you that our words can bring us into uh, the greatest blessings in our life. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10, if you confess with your mouth, And believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. You shall be saved. Saved means delivered and set free. And if you're watching online today or if you're in the audience today and you've never made a confession of your faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to do that today. And it can set you free and bring you into that grace place in God. So say this after me and mean in your heart if you're ready to receive Christ. Say, Dear God, I believe Jesus, you died on the cross For my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead for my justification. Today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me, and Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.